Major Spoilers theme song. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod on on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod pod podcast. I'm Matthew I'm Rodrigo, and I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, 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 the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to the weekend show, the wacky wild weekend show. Hey, we got lots of the big sounds playing the big tunes between now and midnight. Steve's here, I'm here, we'll be playing the big sounds, and hey, I forget what else we're going to do. We're going to be talking about Mix. news, we're going to be talking about stacks of wax, wax of stacks, and uh, little things that take a whack. No. We'll be playing the boss tunes and the boss sounds <laughs> by all the boss groups that my boss told me to play. You know, there was so much news this past week, Matthew. I know, um, right? A lot. I mean, it was just like... Here comes something on Saturday, or actually end of the day, Friday. It's news yeah. on Monday, news on Tuesday. Wouldn't surprise me because we record this on Tuesday. If every day this week there's some major announcement. So I thought uh, while we had some time, and because we had so much that we skipped over on uh, on our Tuesday show, Wednesday show, depending on when that people listen. Hello, bad. future people. Unbelievable. This was the like, you missed the greatest show ever. We'll probably have to go and re-record it. <laughs> it's kind of like the the greatest song ever. The uh, Exactly. This is not the greatest show in the world. This is just a tribute. <laughs> Whoa! I'm curious, Matthew. To the greatest show <laughs> in the world. All right. And I'm only halfway through my first beer. Um, I'm I'm really curious. Do you guys stock, or did you guys stock the Wizard uh, magazine and the Toy Fair magazine there in the in the uh, Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies Huntoon Engage Topeka? We did a few, um, not a huge amount of either anymore. I think usually we get like six or 10 of each. Um, the thing about wizard and a lot of people, you know, were really troubled by it when wizard changed their format to a full magazine size. Yeah. They lost not just their format. They lost their focus. Well, yeah, I agree. And, and again, if, if you're just joining into this conversation, don't know what we're talking about. Uh, Wizard uh, announced this past week that they were ceasing publication of Wizard World and Toy Fair, and they were going to take uh, and, and make Wizard an online publication. And at the same time, Garib Seamus announced that Wizard was going public with their um, – with a lot of their uh, blah, 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 their big convention things that they got going on, so right. if you want, you can buy stock in uh, Wizard. But well, you're right, makes, I agree. You know, it makes the, good sense in the short term. If you're going to go public, you want to lose the magazine because any type of paper publishing venture is going to be a loss leader, essentially. Right. right. Well, and I, I think that you know pulling that probably made them a stronger, you know, a stronger Watchamazigger on the Framistat. Probably just because. Quite honestly, they have a convention going on every every, month every forty five seconds. Yeah, every month or, of the year, they, there's a convention, a Wizard World convention. They've been buying them up left and right this past year, and then there's something like four or five that they've purchased but have not announced dates on. So they're either going to take some of these shows and alternate them every other year, or there's going to be a point sometime this year where we're going to have multiple shows in a month. You know, one in Boston, which, one in, you know, Texas or something, which well, would be pretty Well, if they break crazy. it down to where they're far enough apart, that wouldn't be a bad idea. No, it really you know, wouldn't. E even if you were, you know, since they're branding them all Wizard World, you could have like a, a Wizard World taking place simultaneously in like New York and France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you could even tie them together. I mean, you could do a multimedia tie-in. You could do like, you know, wireless connectivity and stuff and have panels at one convention be broadcast yep. at another. That'd be yep. awesome. That would be kind of cool. You could double your, not just your convention base, but let's say you can't get Shatner to San Diego, but you get Shatner in Minnesota. You yes. got Shatner on, you know, live remote to San Diego at the same time, so he can yell at the ghost of DeForest Kelly. <laughs> Well, going back to what you had said at the beginning of the conversation, I totally agree with you when they went to that Maxim Light format. Ugh. Totally lost. The, the big section, the only reason that I really bought Wizard for the longest time was because I wasn't going to spend the 50 bucks or whatever every year for the Comic Buyer's Guide. And right. every month you could get Wizard's take on what comics were popular, which comics <laughs> were selling well, which comics were not selling well. And for a I while, a lot of people used Wizard's I price know, guide. but you know, a lot of people were using that price guide. Yeah, well, a lot years. of people think that the millennium began in 2002. A lot of people are fucking stupid. 
<laughs> Other than that, uh, in the uh, early days, I think Wizard made a, a name for itself because it seemed to be not only what? covering the industry, but sticking it to the industry in certain spots. Don't wrap your mic cable around your leg, kids. Did you get a little shock there? No, but I just about took my whole desk down. Well, don't do that. I apologize for the inconvenience. That, that is there anything else bad. I might assist you with? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on, on Wizard? I mean, is it a, to be honest, I haven't even read it in six, eight months, and I think a lot of people have done the same thing. I have, and I got to tell you, uh, the people who say that it's a shadow of its former self are correct for two reasons. Okay. One, they really have lowered their content. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, in order five pages of stuff and then ads. And the new stuff that they had was, you know, fascinating. A lot of their new stuff was aimed at how do you get in the industry? What do you do to be a writer? What do you do to be an artist? You know, what do the artists use? Which is fine, but really isn't what I think people are into Wizard for. And the second problem is that 60 days from now, Wizard would have been able to go to press with an in-depth story about the end of the Comics Code Authority and the death right. of the Human Torch. right. The, I mean, the fact that we are here and, you know, other sites, inferior, lesser sites <laughs> like us are out there yeah. scooping them on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, it really shot them in the foot. The things that they could deliver uniquely, you know, they're, well, I have the hiccups. They're exclusive stuff. The interviews with Ed Brubaker, the interviews with anybody who knows Brian Bendis, that stuff <laughs> wasn't a big enough anchor. Right to, you know, offset the timeliness factor. And I think that by going, now I don't know if they're going to be successful going to a subscription format, but by going to a digital format, I think they're going to probably, at least in the short term, you know, be able to save the magazine from going under completely or to save, I guess, the wizard concept, the branding, if you will. Well, I think really, I mean, I would, if they went to a um, a subscription service online, that would not be the way to go. Um so well, they're going to have to go to an online format very similar to what we see Newsarama and CBR and Major Spoilers and The Beat and all these other people do. Uh, the thing that they need to do, though, is sell advertising space. And yeah. for the longest time, they've done very well at selling advertising and maybe to an extent, I don't want to say selling out, but catering to the um, publishers yeah. in exchange for coverage in the magazine. Well, and Garib has never had a problem making friends and making money. Right. I mean, that is the one thing that has kept Wizard around in the past 20 years is the fact that Garib Seamus goes out and he cultivates relationships and he, you know, puts together things that no one else could do. That's why I think Wizard may be one of the longest running comics publications ever, if you don't count Gary Groth. 20 and I years. Think they went digital as well, uh, the Comics Journal. So Yeah, they did. Yeah, and then they fired some people, and I think they scaled back or something. I don't know what they did with that. It happens. Um, you know, if uh, Garib Seamus was looking for a website, I'm surprised he never approached us. I'm not. <laughs> have you have you looked at what we do and compared it to what they do? <laughs> hey, That's like saying, you know, if Dodge was looking to buy some new growth industry, why don't they buy up all the guys that make those little... Uh, yeah, Italian scooters <laughs> where you're driving a hairdryer. Oh, I think you do not give us the credit that uh, that we have, Matthew. I'm not saying we're the hairdryer. I'm saying we're Dodge. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and we uh, like to, I do like to drive around and just chow. You know what I, I did, uh, you know, originally when the rumors were flying hot and heavy at the beginning of the week. And I was really surprised that that a lot of people were just saying, I heard that. So-and-so told me that this magazine was closing, then every other website just started reporting what the the original site said. And I just sent an email to the Wizard PR guys and said, hey, what's up? And they sent me back a really quick reply saying, hey, here's what's going on. Not only is the Wizard World magazine shutting down and going digital, but we're also ceasing publication of Toy Fair, which a lot of people hadn't had any uh, word of that. And really the news that Toy Fair shut down was kind of sad for me. Because I enjoyed that magazine because you got to see the figures yeah. beyond just a little 200-pixel-wide uh, image that somebody was putting up on their website. Right. And they also did a couple of – Toy Fair, I feel like, was more successful because they did things that Wizard didn't. Toy right. Fair would do, like, 
in-depth things and look at like cops or mm-hmm. the Mego action figures. Mm-hmm. And of course they had the single most brilliant thing to ever come out of the wizard brand twisted toy fair theater. Yeah. Which uh, you may see appearing on major spoilers now that that magazine is no longer around. Just that saying. would be awesome. Just saying. Uh, so, you know, if you're out there, uh, the, uh, little known fact, the guy who started that or one of the guys that started that actually went live and now does a little thing called robot chicken. Oh yeah. Cool. Very cool. Okay, um, so did they sell well? Did Wizard Magazine or Toy no. Fair sell, sell well, well in the stores? Nah, not at all. Why Why not? Not recently. Think? Was it just people, because people were just like, I can get I my think stuff on other websites? Things, or? things don't sell because people aren't buying them, usually. Sometimes it's because people used to buy them. Mm-hmm. I think it, it honestly, it really dropped when the format change came through. Because the format change and the change in focus to be more of a, you know, a pop, pop culture, culture yeah. rather than, you know, comic books and movies. And it came to a point where everything was a special issue. Here's our Green Hornet issue. Here's our Dr. Spectro issue. And you, you can only go back to particular wells so many times. And I think they dried up a well. And now they're, you know, looking for a new frontier to try and sink a new well. I used to be really big on saying, you know, print is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not dead, and I don't think print will ever necessarily die, but I think there needs to be a, um, you know, they can cohabitate well together. I don't think that the comic shop will go no. away. I think the really good comic stores will stick around, and they'll be able to live in a digital world. But if you are a um, publication like the New York Times, for example, and yeah. you pride yourselves on getting the issue out right away and having all the in-depth coverage – there's no way that you can deliver the New York Times to Hayes, Kansas uh, in the morning. For us, it always comes late in the afternoon, like 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So the news right. is essentially old. So that's where a digital subscription or a digital model comes in. I've seen a lot of people start up niche magazines uh, in the last uh, six years dealing with comics. I mean, I you know, there's about four of them I could think of off the top of my head that said, hey, we're leaving the web, we're going to print publication, and then they lasted maybe three or four issues, and then that was it. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, it's just too hard to do print, it's just too cost prohibitive to do print, blah, 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 blah. If you're a niche market, then yeah, it is very hard to do. Yeah, but especially if given But if you're that- a magazine like People, or if you're yeah. a magazine like um, um, Entertainment Weekly, I think that'll exist in print for a long time. I agree. When the top comic books are selling to, you know, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 issues, mm-hmm. there's no way that a book about all comic books is going to be selling more than, you know, five, six, seven thousand. Yeah. Because not everybody who reads comics is going to buy Wizard, especially not at seven ninety nine with a special Green Hornet issue. <laughs> Was that the last you one know? that you saw? Apparently the last, That's the last issue one came that out I this read. week. Okay. I think the last issue came out this week, if I remember. I could right. I could grab one while I'm at the store this week, and I could do a review of their last issue. Oh, there you go. That would be awesome. That would be awesome, because then people... End say, of an error. I was er- there. Era. Era. Well, I, I saw a couple people on, on the Major Spoilers website comment that the last couple of issues were rife with, uh, with errors. Oh, they always are. They always have been. The other thing that kind of surprised me this past week, Matthew, and I, again, uh, I haven't read the issue because apparently... Uh, people were getting it a day before it was on sale, was That's- the surprise news that uh, the death of Fantastic Four was actually Johnny Storm. Human Torch! <laughs> Human Torch! I'm, uh, I, you know, it doesn't matter. I think you had spoken your mind on, on this. But what really surprised me is the fact that Tuesday morning, the AP ran a story on the death of Johnny Storm, and then as soon as I got into, and that came out about mm, 6, 7 in the morning, when AP did that, I got to my office at 7.30 and there was an email from Marvel with essentially the press release saying, go mm-hmm. ahead and put it up now. Buy the comic on Wednesday. I understand why they do these things. They're hoping that they can catch the country on a slow news day, get a lot of people riled up over yeah. this death and how it's, a, it's going to destroy the Fantastic Four forever. The Fantastic Four are no more. They'll never be the same again. Again, And so it gets people to rush out and buy this stuff. Now, in the past, these kinds of stories have broken the day that the comic went on sale. So you could go down to your store uh, at lunchtime and pick it up. They did this with the death of Captain America, which stunned a lot of people. Now, granted, the death of Superman, they promoted months ahead of time. Right. 
But uh, what do you think of this this death? Anything? I mean, we haven't read the issue yet. You'll probably no. Read it I mean, it. I'd have to read the issue to care. Uh, this is this was my least likely candidate, right? Although a lot of people were saying that it was probably the most likely because he's the one who hasn't died before, <laughs> which means that there's the most potential in the story. Well, potentially there is a story, but I don't guarantee that this is the one with the most potential. So, eh, we'll see. All right. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a one in four shot. Twenty five percent of us had to be right, no matter what we guessed. Well, are you um, are you in? I mean, the name of our site is Major Spoilers, and we will. Hi there. If we can release the information, we will release the information. We do reviews early. We do a lot of other stuff early. But yeah. uh, did the fact that here's Marvel, for, who for weeks and maybe a month or more now has been keeping this a closely guarded secret, to suddenly spoil it the day before it goes on sale, is that a surprise? No, because that, that to me actually is building the suspense. You know, you're like, oh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then the day before, they're like, you remember this thing we've been poking you in the gut about? Well, now we're going to tell you what it is. Now you have to go see what happens. Yeah. It is, you know, it is a, it's a, it's a, uh, what do you call that? A sales plan. It's a business <laughs> model. Yes. That I am not surprised from Marvel. Okay. See if I can add this person in. Oops. Are you still there, Matthew? No, I'm sorry. Okay. Hello, Rodrigo. Hello. Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Rodrigo, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How you doing? What do you think of Wizard World? Do you care about Wizard World at all? Or the um, Wizard Magazine, I should say? I, I haven't for for quite a while now. When I was just getting into comics, I, I really, really enjoyed it. You know, it was a great place to get previews. And um, I liked, in retrospect, it's funny because there it, it does a, it did a lot of things that now, when I go back and look at my old uh, issues of it, seemed really goofy. Like, just like, top 10 greatest awesome Wolverine moments and things like that. And I was like, well, now we do this kind of thing on the site. Right. Um Right. I don't know. I just there there came a point. I probably around the time when I just stopped reading comics, which you know was like regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was like, well, there's no point for me to keep reading Wizard. It's probably the most expensive yeah. book that I was subscribed to at the time. Oh yeah. So definitely. I was like, eh. All right. So and you know, it, it ahead, hasn't man. been relevant since back when you were born in like 1992, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, some other news this past week that we didn't get to in the uh, in the main show. Um, Wonder Woman finally get, gets a green light from all places in BC. Now, Warner Brothers had made the decision not to create the Wonder Woman movie. Instead, they were going to shop it around to television networks, thought it might be a better television series. ABC said no. CBS said no. NBC said no. Fox said no. Uh, CW said we'd like to, but you're really, really too expensive for us. And then at the last minute, the uh, NBC, what is it, president or programming director, whoever left, and the new guy came in and said, okay, let's green light Wonder Woman as she goes off uh, to our network. Go for it. Here's the interesting part of this story. It's a David E. Kelly uh, series, and Mm -hmm. the uh, Deadline Hollywood, Deadline.com, they are quoted as saying the project is described as a reinvention of the iconic DC comic in which Wonder Woman, a.k.a. Diana Prince, is a vigilante crime fighter in L.A., but also a successful corporate executive and modern woman trying to balance all the elements of her extraordinary life. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go first? Rodrigo, well, are you excited about Wonder Woman on television? Um, I'm... I was a little excited to, to see it, but um, I don't know. I think to me, the premise of this show is not Wonder Woman. It doesn't really feel like Wonder Woman. And, you know, I know that there's been several iterations of Wonder Woman. And one of them that I haven't read or seen might match this. But I don't know. Like they, this, I, I know, I know why they did it. I know that it's like, well, let's take this plot line that we know works okay in television. And let's take this very recognizable character and put them all together. But to me, it's basically cutting out all the stuff that's interesting about 
Wonder Woman, which is kind of her fish out of waterness in right. in you know the modern and in, in man's world. Uh, but, some of some of the comment people say, how how difficult is it to just follow the comic book? I mean, JMS just did a recent reboot to a certain extent. They could have just used that, but no, they make up something as as Maximus Riff says, dumb. Well, and this is the thing that drives me nuts because okay, Are let's look at let's nuts. look at let's look at major spoilers for a moment. Major spoilers is basically eight guys and Steven's checkbook, and even <laughs> so. We have moments where we say something that doesn't necessarily clearly explain what it is that we're doing. So David Kelly is like, I want to do this Wonder Woman TV series. And he goes to the people at CBS or NBC he says, here, this is serious. I want to write. And they're like, great. Oh, we like that. Uh, Bob, tell Linda to have her secretary write up a press release and throw this out. So that press release comes out. The only communication that we have, mind you, is just a press release that says, yes, we're thinking about the possibility of considering possibly paying him to think about writing this show. And we, the fanboys, are like, well, this is going to suck. Because obviously, by using the word vigilante, they have completely undermined everything that Wonder Woman stands for. I am as much of a, of a, of a nerd, of a knee-jerk reactionary as anybody. And I want you guys to know that we love you. You're our bread and butter. Keep coming to the site. But take a deep breath and think about, you know, this is just a press release. If the show goes to air and yeah, if it goes to air and it sucks horrifically at that point, we will eviscerate it with you. We will all eviscerate together. You know, sometimes I agree with you. You you know, the last thing that people hated this much What's they that? talk about a Star Trek reboot. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, they talked I kind about of how much with that terrible, terrible it was going to be. On the one hand, you know, when, when I heard the news that the cape was coming out, I was like, okay, I can go with that kind of a story. It sounds kind of cool. And then I saw the trailers and I started to form an opinion. And then I watched five minutes of the, uh, of the first episode. And I was like, mm, I think I'm going to turn this off now. And I waited to really judge my opinion there. Uh, in this case, my comment to this entire uh, premise that that they gave us was, well, I guess it could be worse. You know, they could really muck up this uh, premise for this Wonder Woman story. Quite frankly, what I just described or what I just read from Deadline sounds a whole lot like Power Girl uh, when uh, when you and I were reading it regularly, Matthew, than it does a Wonder Woman series. Because it sounds like about sixty percent of comics on the stand. Well, it could be also the uh, the Jessica Drew uh, series, the Alias series that they're coming out with, or not Alias, but uh, whatever they're calling it. I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of with you. Is I will reserve judgment until I see something, and then I will crap all over it if it deserves to be crapped upon. Indeed. Any other thoughts on Wonder Woman headed to NBC? Do you like the idea better as a TV series? Or are you disappointed that this isn't getting a movie treatment? Uh, I, I mean, it could work the other way. You can, yeah, you can have a, a Superman TV show, a Superman movie, as we have seen. Mm-hmm. You can have, you can turn anything into anything else, basically. And there is a way to do it. Now, some some things make it more difficult, and I I, I imagine that part of the reason for the this take on Wonder Woman is because TV shows tend to have a much smaller budget or maybe right. an equivalent object that has to be spread over, you know, yeah, 30 hours season. of film as opposed to two. Yeah. Yep. You're right. You're right. You're right. Anne Hathaway is cast as Selena Kyle. And what's his name? Tom Hardy has been cast as Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. Well, he does make really nice T-shirts. <laughs> and uh, hats that the D-bags wear around the mall. So I'm I, willing to give Ed Hardy a shot, you know. Yeah, I am just not a, I don't know anything about Tom Hardy, really. To Didn't he write Tess way. of the Durbervilles? I don't know. I think he wrote Tess of the Durbervilles and uh, Far From the Matting Crowd, something like that. Uh, yeah. What about Anne Hathaway as Selena Kyle? I think that's a great choice. Really? I mean, it's it, yeah, it's something that I hadn't thought about, but I think she'll be great. Yeah. Now, the big thing, and this is where a lot of people are like, uh, 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 a lot of people were like, yes, Anna Hathaway is Catwoman. 
But then everyone's like, no, 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 go back and read the statement from Warner Brothers. It says Anne Hathaway is Selena Kyle. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know that Selena Kyle is Catwoman, but the way they worded it, maybe we won't see Catwoman. Maybe we'll see Selena Kyle. Is that if a we're lucky? Weird? We might be Selena Gomez. No, <laughs> Billy D. Williams played Harvey Dent in the 1989 Batman. It's yeah. not like there isn't there isn't a ton of uh, uh, precedent for this sort of thing. Right, right. I think that even if they use her as you know a love interest with a secret and don't touch on the fact that she puts on a super tight leotard and leaps through the night, that you know they could be setting up for their fourth movie. Or fifth, or however many they're going to do of well, this Well, this series. is the final Christopher Nolan film, or so he says. Now, right. uh, Christian Bale came out, oh, last week, week and a half or so, and said, hey, if Christopher Nolan wants to do a fourth film, I'm all up for it. How many people do you think are really interested in seeing Anne Hathaway in a Batman movie uh, as, a, as compared to the number of people that just want to see Anne Hathaway in a tight leotard jumpsuit? 57. Okay. Rodrigo, do you agree? Um, I mean, it makes sense. Honestly, I mean, Anne Hathaway is, is very pretty and definitely the, you know, she's, she's got a good body. She's fit, but what mostly she's got going for her is that she's very pretty and mm-hmm. she's actually a good actress. So when I saw the, the press release that she was uh, being cast as Selena Kyle, that's, that's what, that's what excited me about it is the fact that she's a pretty girl. She's a good actress. She's not. You know, she's not Kim Basin. Was it Kim? No, it wasn't Kim Basin. It wasn't her. Uh, uh, you're talking about um, Diana, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. She's not Michelle Pfeiffer. She's not Eartha Kitt. She's you not know, Halle she's Berry. Not, yeah, exactly. But so, she is that other girl. She kind of is. <laughs> Julie Newmar. Yep. She's and and that's and that's that is interesting. That is something. There's something there. She's kind of Julie Newmar. I think yep. uh, fans will throw their hands up in rage when I say this, but I don't find Anne Hathaway particularly attractive myself. I, well, I just don't. She's that's not me. underage and Asian. I mean, that's well, completely no, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. I just don't find her attractive. Uh, uh, you know what? She's why... not six foot two and black, but I can appreciate her because <laughs> I like my women like I like my coffee, hot, black, and bitter. But I think that Doesn't Anne Hathaway. Work. Sorry. I apologize to anyone listening. Anyway, Anne Hathaway is one of those girls where even if, you know, if you don't like her type or if you're not into women or, you know, if you are a woman and you're not into women, however that goes, I think you know, you can appreciate what people find beautiful about her. Yeah. It's oh, yeah, easy yeah. to see her attractiveness. I, I liked her in, uh, didn't she, wasn't she in um, The Devil Wears Prada? I think we sat and watched that one night. Was that she, her or was that Kira Knightley? No, I think that's her. No, that was her. Okay. I think she's a good actress. I saw her. Um, I got into the like the last half of Get Smart, and I thought she did good there. I think she's a good actress. Personally, I just think she's a little bit too pasty uh, for my taste, but that's just me. So there you go. There is some of the news that we weren't able to get to this past week, and I'm sure that uh, there are tons and tons and tons of other major stories that broke this week. And you better yep. check them all out over at Major Spoilers. We also had a need to clean out our email box because I think people are getting a little testy that we don't uh, <laughs> that we don't read their email. So I'm diving into our listener. Oh, email. can I go first? Yes, yes, you may, Matthew. I would like to read the first email. Hey uh, guys, I love the podcast. Definitely one of my favorites out there. We appreciate that. I'm still catching up on other episodes, so this is inspired by issue 254 from November 2010. And to be honest, I don't know if he wrote in December of 2010 or if he's just that far behind on the show. So that's why I you know we what? need to get through some it's of this. It's all right. It's all right. November of 2010 was a while ago, and it's it's fine. Steven suggested in that show, I got tired of the voice, that new <laughs> cartoons may have become too politically correct. And I, Matthew, refer to writers and producers being sensitive about offending anyone with violence or bad situations. This is true. Yeah, I basically As said a fan, I want the Tom and Jerry type cartoons back. I want to see someone yeah. get hit in the face with a with a with a frying pan. And I believe I made my my point that I think I stole from Mark Evanier, actually, that I hate the Dungeons and Dragons theory where, you know, you have to teach a lesson where Eric is the whiner and the complainer and going against the group is bad no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, our writer says, as a fan of comics and cartoons and a father of two kids, there's a trend I've noticed in current cartoons that we didn't directly address. The cartoons, particularly those targeted at younger kids, are designed with psychiatric and sociological concerns in mind. 
You may even see a doctor, doctor or child psychologist in the credits. So rather than removing the offensive material, they're actually structuring the cartoons in a life-affirming, positive message reinforcement exercise for kids. He's not suggesting there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. But the use of cartoons as a teaching tool is a large paradigm shift that could explain the difference between older and newer cartoons. And now listen, I got a problem with that. Oh, you always have a problem. Now listen, 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 listen. My name is Stephen, and I've got a problem with that. <laughs> I do. I mean, I have no problem if they want to hire a child psychologist to make sure that, that the use of um, – of this voice actor or this portrayal of a female cartoon character doesn't freak some little kid out and have him go running down the street shooting at the neighbors. But (laughs) there were some great, awesome things that happened in the old Looney Tunes um, cartoons. The, uh, uh, what is it? The rabbit of Seville, the sorted magic helmet, the, um, the Dick, the duck Twasey uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. Those are ones that, if anything, not the Duck Twasey is uh, to an extent, but the other two and many other Looney Tunes cartoons. Duck Amuck. Duck Amuck. They focused on music to drive the story. You know, if you didn't know the Barber of Seville and you weren't familiar with the uh, the music in in that, and suddenly you're hearing Bugs Bunny say, "Let me cut your top, let me crap your mop," you know that kind of stuff. Suddenly you're like, "Whoa, this is kind of interesting," and then it may prompt you or i don't know if it did back then maybe it's because it was copyright free although this was at the 30s and 40s um you had this rich source of learning going on in uh this music it was music appreciation for me when i was growing up because then i could go and find the source material and go ah i see what's going on here brilliant but it was free form learning true and i think especially in today's environment when when the kid was a kid we were given a whole bunch of DVDs called Baby Einstein. Uh, yes. And the, pl- the, the point of these is to plop your kid down in front of the television. And walk away. And, and, but no, you have her watch, you know, colorful things and things that talk about motion. It's like up, down, red, blue, sun. And it's teaching these concepts early. And I believe that these days there is a focus on teaching early and early recognition of these concepts that wasn't necessarily there when we were kids. And I think that people feel that that's necessary, that that's, you know, mandatory for the child to learn. I don't have a problem with, you know, having a kid. Well, let me restart that. Having a kid, (laughs) I don't have a problem with the fact that they have psychologists on the show. No, I don't have a problem with that either. I have a problem with the fact that sometimes the messages are extremely ham-fisted. Oh, yeah. You know, I and my kid loves the Tom and Jerry cartoons. Mm-hmm. And my kid can, you know, tell you the difference between a Chuck Jones and a Gene Deitch cartoon from Tom right, and Jerry. Right, right. And sometimes she'll be like, well, this one's dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, there's a reason for that. And we talk about who created it. But well, I just – I like – I like shows that let kids be kids. Phineas and Ferb is a great example of something that um, really there's not a moral at the end of every story, except yeah, that you got to go out and live, live, live each day to the fullest. Um, yeah, sometimes there is, but a lot of times it's just, you know, mindless fun. And it's one of the few cartoon shows that are on now. That's actually a good musical cartoon show. Um, Handy Manny is fine. I mean, there's life lessons that you're learning in there. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is a teaching tool. I mean, you learn about shapes and you learn about problem solving and basic math and, and you know, those kinds of things. And that's But Goofy fine. never falls off things. It goes, ah! Although, although on today's episode, he got a Trump, what did he call it? He got a trombone stuck to his butt. And I thought that was rather funny. Um, but that's just me. Um, it had the word butt in it. It had butt and it had trombone in it. So um, there you go. Um, but I just want something where my kid can just have some mindless, senseless fun and walk away from that. It's kind of like when he watches uh, Batman Brave and the Bold or something like that. Uh, he starts to use his imagination. Uh, the last couple of days, he was wanting to play uh, his little Batman figures with me. And he was racing the Batmobile. And I just happened to pull out his Thomas uh, the Train Engine. And I started doing just a terrible English voice. Hello, Batman, can I be your friend? And he just went with it. And instead of having a conversation with his dad, it, he started playing a conversation between Thomas and Batman. And he just ran and had fun with it. It had no learning going on. 
Uh, there was nothing that he saw on TV that he was applying to this. It was just goofy, silly fun until Percy showed up. He's like, hey, now I want you to stop all this fun. And then we had to go to bed. See, I think you're under you're, uh, you're really underselling the amount of learning that you had there because no, it was I actually turned it into uh, it's kind of bad because I did turn it into a uh, a learning game at one point uh, when I was trying to figure out I was trying to uh, uh, we were trying to figure out why the Batmobile was better than than Thomas. Well, it's a Batmobile, so we had to count the number of wheels that were on on uh, each of them. But at the same time, my son is smart enough to know when learning is going on because if he thinks that there is a moral lesson going on or a learning lesson going on, if he doesn't want to play along, he'll just tune out. Okay, time to go play something else. But yeah, there's fun. Imagination is fun. Going wild is fun. Jumping up and down and spinning around and going, ah, for Rodrigo is fun. Right. And every time Rodrigo comes over, he and Mason do do that. Nah. And then, of course, he does it right at Mason's bedtime, which makes it a little bit more difficult for my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Any thoughts or reactions to this conversation, Rodrigo? You've been kind of quiet. Um, I think that uh, there's definitely like children's shows as as a sub genre of cartoons um, have the same thing that cartoons have going in that they're just they're really just a medium. You can have children's television that is just, you know, beefy guys punching each other in the face. And you can have children's uh, shows that are just like swirling colors trying to hypnotize your kids into uh, being more familiar with with Beethoven, Mm -hmm. you know. Or with LSD trips. Exactly. Um, I like it when... The shows have a very, uh, an undercurrent of a moral or of specifically tolerance. Right now, uh, PBS is big on, you know, kind of having that very basic amount of tolerance. Um, for example, there's this great show right now called Dinosaur Train. Right. Um, and is that the one with the really hot conductor girl? That's the one with Don Giovanni, right? Oh, okay. Dinosaur! I think it's Don Cornelius and (laughs) no I like mine better but it does have the hot conductor girl right no they're all dinosaurs oh unless you're into dinosaurs who was the hot conductor girl there's some hot conductor girl on one of those sprout PBS uh, networks uh, no, that was, that, that was on that was on um, Time Station. Disney. No, 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 no. No, it was on it was on Disney, and it was um. Oh yeah, something about shake your caboose what? or something. Something caboose on the loose. Choo choo soul. <laughs> yes, the hot girl. She was like, yeah. I'm like, oh baby, come on, dance for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, Rodrigo, the back to dinosaur train for the parents. Um. <laughs> Anyway, dino- my conversation about Dinosaur Train had a point. Uh, well, that's a rarity here on the spo- Major Spoilers podcast, ladies and gentlemen. That, that's what I hear. Anyway, but I was Check saying that at- one down on your Rodrigo scoreboard. Yep. Genevieve uh, is her name. <laughs> yeah. So no, Dinosaur Train does not have any hot chicks in it, as it is entirely dinosaurs. Oh, okay. All right. Um, But the main character is a little little T-Rex who was adopted by a family of of pteranodons. So he's adopted, and at first he doesn't even know what species he is, and he actually has to go and find out about cool dinosaurs in order to find what he really is. And at some point, he decides that he likes his family, you know, even though they don't look like him. Right. And then, you know, the show just kind of continues from there and doesn't really dwell on it very much. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a it's a show about dinosaurs, but one of the dinosaurs is adopted, you know, and, and, it, and that's okay. Let me tell you a show that, uh, cool. you know, you can have learning, but it can still be a crap show. And that... Uh, that other Disney show that has the terrible um, animals are all Jungle Junction. Good lord, that's a you always go off about Jungle Junction. No, I always go off it's... about Naughty, and thankfully that I don't even think that uh, 
Sprout Network is running that anymore. Thank you, Bruce Otter, for making that happen. Yeah, Bruce did that. He hit all the tapes. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right, let's get to some more emails. Hey, Stephen. This is from hey, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> this is from Dan, who wrote in asking us about a couple of weeks ago about um, comics for kids and, and girls who read comics. And girl um, kids. You, yeah, girl kids. You guys were surprised that Scooby-Doo is still running, but Scooby's got a huge following with the elementary school set, at least here in Connecticut. I put it on my older daughter's pull list, and she reads every issue as soon as it comes in. The girls also like the straight-to-DVD Scooby-Doo cartoon movies. We've seen nearly all of them. Um, other stuff that uh, kids might like, he recommends Mouse Guard, Shazam, and the Monster Society of Evil, um, a Superman for All Seasons. He says, mm-hmm. my youngest really likes Batman, but I think Superman stories tend to be a little more kid-friendly. I'll have to check out that Supergirl trade that you guys mentioned. That was what, Supergirl and... Adventures in the eighth grade. Yeah, Adventures in the eighth grade. Surprisingly, he says, my girls don't like the Muppets, Fraggle Rock, or any of the 80s throwback properties. They're just not interested, and really, I kind of wonder if those books aren't secretly targeted at grownups who remember those cartoons from back in the day. Not a secret. (laughs) I don't think it's a secret. That's their primary audience. Yep. Uh, Even Scooby, go ahead. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? Their primary audience may well be those people trying to indoctrinate their own their children. kids, yes. exactly. Yep. Well, and that's how my son got Just why my comics. I mean, that's how my daughter reads Batman. The Tick. And does she make silly voices? She has some silly voices for The Tick, but she really loves the fact that uh, in the first issue, they did this how to draw The Tick. First, draw an oval in the center of your paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then draw lines <laughs> through the oval on the halves on each. Now draw the tick holding the oval. <laughs> she doesn't get the joke, but she loves to repeat the joke because yeah. it makes daddy laugh and she thinks it's hysterical. He says, with that in mind, my kids would probably go in for books using the dinosaur train or handy manny characters or something like that, but they could care less about Bugs Bunny. <sighs> you know, there's something, there- you know, to, I don't know. Matthew and I kind of go back and forth, especially when we're talking about the Chuck Jones era and the, uh, Really trippy. Is that the the trippy Russian? Yeah, the Czechoslovakian, actually, the Tom and Jerry's that were done. Some of those are the most brilliant Tom and Jerry's of the run. The Tom and Jerry cartoon kit is amazing. The one where Jerry goes out and is, uh, he pretends that he's died in the snow. Yeah. He paints himself white and he haunts Tom. Yeah. Those are amazing. Some of them are pretty bad. The one where they're, uh, when they're fishing. Mm-hmm. It's terrible, but the one where they end up for some reason as sailors on Captain Bly's ship hunting down Dickie Moe, <laughs> I love that. That was my introduction to Moby Dick. Yeah. I went out to figure out what this Dickie Moe joke was about <laughs> and ended up reading freaking Moby Dick. Yeah. I so don't that know. should I, tell you, you know. When it comes to Bugs Bunny, there's a defining point there, too. Everything before 1960 – I really like those Bugs Bunnies because they were really aimed at more an adult audience, people who would go to the movie theater to see the latest Bugs Bunny cartoon. And that's where you see a lot more of the, the sexist jokes, the Bugs Bunny and drag and the uh, the wolf who's always after um, what's her name? Little Red or whatever her name was. Uh, well, those aren't uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons. Those were uh, Metro Golden Mayor. Oh, OK. Um, Little Red and uh, Big Bad Wolf. Right. It's after the 1960s when they realized, hey, we can run this on the afternoons and um, and get kids to watch these that they started toning down a lot of the the gags and violence and making them more kid friendly. Yeah. I don't know. It's just my style on that. Um, but thank you for that comment, Dan, and, and giving us a follow up of what your kids like. And hopefully there's a few other suggestions for your kids as well. Yeah. Aaron says, yes, Aaron <laughs> says, hello, Major Spoilers podcast. I like this email. Go ahead and read it uh, there. Matthew. All right. I, meaning Aaron, not I, Matthew, work as a janitor in Superior, Wisconsin, save myself from a slow and painful death by boredom. I started downloading podcasts to listen while I clean. I found MSP. I love that. MSP. I got Chinese food today. It had no MSP. (laughs) Found MSP through Critical Hit, and it sparked the interest I had back in the day when I did collect comics, but I stopped because I was investing too much money and time on them. Preaching to the choir here, brother. While listening to one of your shows, I heard mention of digital comics. Decided to check them out. You've made a consumer of me. Don, da, 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 did you hear that? Yeah, we need to Big start two. ringing the bell every time somebody says that ding, I'm back ding. in the comics because of you guys. 
It's like uh, when you get good service at a Long John Silver's. Yeah. I must say, I favor DC over Marvel, so I checked out DC's site. Their digital comic section is a little confusing and difficult to navigate. Marvel's site is more user-friendly, way easier to navigate, but... Either way, I liked what I saw and decided to subscribe. Now my morning routine involves waking up, taking my dogs for a walk, coming inside to have a cup of coffee and read my daily comics. A yearly subscription costs just under 60 bucks a year, which would normally cost $2.99 per comic if I were to buy the physical copy. I'm saving $1,000 a year buying and reading digitally. Wow. And what he's talking about is not the iPad app. He's actually talking about the... uh Marvel Digital Comics Online is what he's yes. talking about there. The Marvel DCU. Yes, as I so I, call it. Aaron was so pleased with the service Marvel provided, he bought the company. No, wait. <laughs> and also with the Major Spoilers podcast, he decided to leave a comment with Marvel, specifically mentioning the Major Spoilers podcast being the reason that he decided to become a customer in the first place. I believe in giving credit where credit is due. You guys do a bang-up job. Keep up the good work. Matthew, have you been buying any other digital Ooh. comics since, no. since your little uh, excursion into your Android or whatever it is? I haven't, not because I haven't wanted to, but because uh, since I got my Android, my life has gone buzzing, and I'm just sort of like, do 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 hey, wait, now I work here, no, wait, I don't work here, now I work here. In the last seven days, my work status has changed six times. Wow. Yeah. So I got that going for me, which is nice. The only digital stuff that you're reading is the stuff that uh, we get from our our fine friends at all the publishing companies, right? Correct. All right. So you you don't have any other thoughts on digital comics. Do you like reading your comics on the computer or not? I I really don't mind. Um, Now that I've figured out how to how I like to read my comics on the computer, it's not an issue. At first, I was like, oh, these are too big. Oh, now they are too small. Yes. That's my problem, too. Is they got to be wide enough to I can see the whole page, but they've also got to be big enough to where my 40-year-old eyes actually read the teeny tiny letters. So. And that was and really my I'm- problem with the uh, 10th Muse book that I reviewed earlier in the week because they sent it at a lower resolution than what you might normally expect, so it was a little fuzzy to read yeah. in spots. And your your eyes are already at a lower resolution yes, than most Yes, they of are. Them. The retina display, shoot, I don't need a retina display to make yeah. anything look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? Um, I forgot. Oh, okay. Let's put it this way, faithful spoilerite. Steven's eyes have a lot in common with my old 78 Dodge. They get you where you're going, but it's not an easy ride, and most of the time your <laughs> wife is mad at you when you're done. <laughs> Monty uh, says Monty uh, says I was listening to your podcast for the first time when I heard you guys mention you were in Kansas yay Kansas at the end of the show you mentioned you had a 785 area code and I freaked out yay 50% were... of Kansas <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there were any role playing groups in the Lawrence area I live in Lawrence are you guys in this area if so I would like to ask you a few questions about where I can get some D&D supplies sorry I can't say much for myself on the internet I'm 15 rock chalk Says Monty. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, well, Monty, first of all, I'll be happy to help you. Yeah, first of all, just because we have a 785 area code doesn't mean that we're in the Lawrence area. Now, I will say this our um, Major Spoilers hotline, the 785-727-1939, that is a Lawrence phone number, but that's our Skype number. So, really, all I did was do a search for 1939 uh, to see, you know, because that's the year back where you can out. find one. Yeah. Um, to see when, you know, when, what one would be available in our area code. And that was in Detective Comics 15, as I recall. Yeah. Yes. He was being in trouble. He was being, he in, was trouble. being in trouble. <laughs> I've had a lot of people who see our number come up on their caller ID and it says Lawrence, Kansas. And they're like, oh, you're in Lawrence. And it's like, oh, no, I wish I was in Lawrence, Kansas. So, no, like, we are not in Lawrence. Uh, Rodrigo, someone looking for a gamer group should go where? They, well, he wants to get uh, D&D supplies. Right. Um, if- honestly, your best bet is to get stuff like that online. Um, you can. There's a few websites out there that are pretty good that'll give you Magic the Gathering stuff and D&D minis, and they carry uh, D&D books. You know, buying stuff through Amazon can be really cheap. Um, now, if you want an actual store, I don't know. I don't know the Lawrence area all that well. Ah, well but I was going to say, I, I was, I was focusing more on the, um, the cat G and now he's 15, oh. he's 15, but still, 
but still, is there a cat G branch at KU? There might be. Might be worth looking into. I know that. Um, uh, I presume that you can't make it all the way to Lawrence Monty to Gatekeeper Hobbies Hunt to Engage Topeka. If you do, I can tell you right now where you get D&D supplies. You walk in the door, you turn left. Um, I know there were at least, last time I was in town, there were two stores in and around Massachusetts. There was uh, Quality Comics on Mass right down by the county courthouse. Yeah. And I believe Astro Kitty is still open. They're off of Massachusetts over yeah, by the post office. They but. are in one of the older buildings. Um, yeah, they're right across the street from the borders the last yeah, I yeah, checked. Yeah. Pretty close mm-hmm. to it, yeah. Which is right off of Mass Street. Yeah. I believe, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, anybody who does, I believe that both of those stores can special order D&D supplies. I believe both had some in stock the last time I was there, which was a couple of months ago. I would say that if you have a ride or if you have, you know, a way to get to Topeka periodically, and I'm not just saying this because they, you know, they pay one of my salaries. Uh, Gatekeeper is probably one of the stronger gaming stores in Northeast Kansas without going all the way to Kansas City. Um, we've got people yeah. who come from Salina. We've got people who come from Wichita in some cases. Um, and we would be happy to help you. I know that, um, Jim and Dion had been doing some orders um, through the mail. I don't know specifically what the what the particulars of that are, but we are in the phone book. If you want to look us up, it is Gatekeeper Hobbies. I believe the number starts with a seven eight five, so you won't get in trouble for mom <laughs> you know, for calling it. You still have to call long distance, but yes, I'm not question. in I, me- Lawrence. I drive through Lawrence a couple of times a month, and. Uh, the woman who rents my basement lives in Lawrence. I think at the end of the month we will actually be in Topeka. I may have to uh, make an Ooh. announcement about when we will be at Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies. Normal view. <laughs> yeah, and have have people stop by. I want to uh, divert from our email real quick and ask you a question. Is Westboro Baptist Church di- just down the street from you, Matthew? <laughs> uh, from the store? Yes. Let's define down the street. Well, um... Huntoon and Gage is not to, actually where the store is located. Huntoon and Gage is the nearest intersection. Right, right. Uh, Westboro Baptist Church is actually located a couple of blocks over on Huntoon. Uh, within about, I want to say two, three blocks. Their now, compound listen. is actually a pretty large area. Right. Now, um, uh, Kevin Smith, I listen to all of his podcasts, Modcasts, and all this stuff. His Red State podcast, if you are a someone who's interested in film, is a fascinating look at the independent film process and his thought process and how things are going because of the nature of that. A lot of people think that he is mocking the Westboro Baptist church and apparently the Westboro Baptist church thinks that they are, that he is mocking them as well. And he's had some pretty public, um, not confrontations, but, uh, chats with them. They were Mm -hmm. there at Sundance just this past week to boycott his film. And he had his own people there to boycott the Westboro Baptist Church, in a peaceful manner, but in mm-hmm. Kevin Smith fashion. He has decided, instead of selling Red State to some large studio for distribution, he's going to distribute it himself. And I'm pretty sure he said Lawrence, Kansas, was going to be one of the places that he was going to show uh, Red State down there at, uh, what is it, Liberty Hall, is mm-hmm. the independent place. He <coughs> did say something. I could have swore he said something in either one of his tweets or one of his podcasts that, Westboro Baptist Church isn't too far away from where he's mm-hmm. going to be at, and Kevin Smith likes to stop in at comic book shops. So, Matthew, you might want to kind of keep an eye out for when Red State is coming to Kansas and yeah. find out when Kevin Smith might be visiting the Westboro Baptist Church compound and be at work that day. And invite him to come on Critical Hit. Exactly. exactly. Well, you know, Kevin Smith and I, in a room together— <laughs> would throw actually, the children of the earth off and we go spinning I think it into would. the sun <laughs> I think it would I think it would cause a snark vortex and then <laughs> the sheer mass would actually turn into a nerd white hole <laughs> and it would consume most of central Kansas yeah you know what Rodrigo has to say about all that Fah! well uh, as long as Matthew never says nerd white hole again <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry. Nerd Caucasian hole. I know uh, how you hate it. When that's you do even that. worse. <laughs> one last, one last email in the email bag from Spider Lover. Hey guys, I'm just a let me spider say, lover. You're a spider lover. We should wait. 
Let me say that I love all that you do. Because of you, I found a love for Darkwing Duck, Atomic Robo, and the Legion of Superheroes. My question comes out of the launch of the DCU Online. As a Marvel fan, I don't know much about the lore of the DC Universe. Recently, I had a mission in Bloodhaven. Is Chemo a character made for this game? And what is the best Nightwing story? Well, again, a lot of people can argue on that. I say there's chemotherapy, so I call him Chemo. Other people will call him Chemo. Um, So, yes, uh, Chemo or Chemo is not a character made for the game. He has a long history in the the DCU. First Um, appeared in 1962, I believe, facing the Metal Men. Chemo was, um, if not the first Metal Men villain, one of the first Metal Men villains. Mm Mm-hmm. I highly recommend getting uh, some of those stories because uh, Bob Kaniger, who was one of DC's most outspoken and curmudgeonly editors, wrote those. And for a very long time, the art was just amazingly brilliant. And I want to say, I'm, I'm going to say Mike Sikowski, and I know I'm going to be wrong because I can't remember the name of the artist, but oh my gosh, it was brilliant. And uh, Kemo himself appeared off and on. The I think Kemo has pretty much been a bit player. When they need a giant guy who spits acid, he was in Crisis on Infinite Earth as yep. giant guy who spits acid. Yep. Um, they dropped him on Bloodhaven in uh, Final Crisis or Countdown to Infinite yeah. Crisis on Banana Heads. And it just was one of those. Meh. Yeah. Although he had the best last word ever as he fell on uh, the story. He quoted Bill the Cat and said, oop. <laughs> <laughs> and then he exploded. Spider Lover wants to know, what is the best Nightwing story? The best Nightwing story was Chuck Dixon and um, Scott McDaniel. It was the one where the vigilante calling himself N-I-T-E Nightwing showed up in Bloodhaven and started killing people and went nuts. And it was a really, it was a good Batman type story. Yep. It, it set Nightwing apart from Batman while being trained by Batman, but it also set him apart from the crazy vigilantes, you know, the, the your Punishers and your uh, lunatic fringe that are out there with the guns and the, and the Glavin. I was going to and say it really, really, I mean, it, it, it defined who Dick was for a new yeah. generation, especially when he took on Blockbuster and the new Tarantula. I was going to yes. say basically everything from Bloodhaven and it was a huge, long arc. Now this was, um, uh, Ah, oh, crap. What's his name? The artist who I've kind of flip-flop on. Scott McDaniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, It's basically all of his art. But that entire run of him in Bloodhaven is excellent, I think. Ross Andrew. That's who drew the Metal Men. Okay. Okay. There you go. Thank you. And on that note, Rodrigo, any other words? Hello. <laughs> Okay, everybody, we're going to be back next week. We're going to be talking about the saga of the Swamp Thing. You should and, not have come to the Swamp. Yes, and you should read it because we're going to have an in-depth discussion of that next week. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we'll talk with you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler 
It's like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. Whoa, 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 whoa. What a major spoiler. Major spoilers is copyright 2011. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.